May I speak and may you hear in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we are thinking about Paul, the writer of many of the letters of the New Testament, the follower of Christ, who spread the good news of the gospel to most of the Mediterranean and continued to encourage and instruct the churches he founded through letters and visits. Paul, who spent much of his time in prison, chained and beaten for his faith in Christ. He had gone without food, shelter and water. He had been shipwrecked and travelled enormous distances, all for the sake of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. But he wasn't always such a faithful follower of Christ. For here we meet a very different Paul. He even has a different name. We first meet the figure of Paul, or Saul, in Acts chapter 8. The narrative around the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. As the dying Stephen mirrors the words of forgiveness that Jesus spoke on the cross, Saul enjoys the benefits of a celebrity as cloaks are laid at his feet. We are told that Saul approved of Stephen's murder. But Saul wasn't content to stop there. Perhaps he sees the opportunity to make a move that he had been plotting for some time. Followers of Jesus had been persecuted since they began spreading the news of Jesus. They were viewed suspiciously, not trusted, and looked down upon. We can assume that they were not only persecuted and thrown into prison by the leaders of the day, but that those who lived alongside them were only too happy to throw the first stone. This is how genocide can start. And tomorrow is a reminder that this kind of mass persecution did not stop in Saul's time. For tomorrow is Holocaust Memorial Day, when people all over the country will be marking 75 years since the liberation of Auschwitz and 25 years since the genocide in Bosnia. Arguably, 
genocides start the same way. The authorities target a group and bit by bit they create a distinction and us and them. In the time of Saul, Christians, or followers of the way as they were known then, were accused of blasphemy, of speaking words against Moses and God. It was textbook segregation. In the case of Stephen, we are told they, they being men who had argued in the in the synagogue with Stephen and who could not withstand the wisdom and spirit with which he spoke. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes and they set up false witnesses against him. In the years leading up to the Holocaust, Nazi policies and propaganda deliberately encouraged divisions within German society, urging Aryan Germans to keep themselves separate from their Jewish neighbors. In Bosnia, in 1991, non-Serbs were forced to wear white armbands and fly white flags outside their houses. Once an us and them state is realized, it is then easier to persuade through propaganda that further further alienates that group and dehumanizes them. Targeted groups are given names such as rats, cockroaches, snakes, names that were used widely in Nazi propaganda, encouraging the general population to think of these groups of people as having these characteristics of carrying disease, being pests, or being creepy and so creating fear of the targeted group and thus further separation. In history, this was the method that paved the way for the Holocaust, Nazi persecution and subsequent genocides. You can read more about this on the Holocaust Memorial Day website. But for now, I would like to take us back to Saul and the persecution he was about to carry out in Acts chapter 9. Here, the pathway to genocide that was laid out by Saul was stopped short by a blinding light and the voice of God. In this brief but
but dramatic encounter, Saul's life is transformed forever. And arguably, so is the church. If Saul had continued on his quest, Christianity, the Bible, the church would have been very different. And so Saul becomes Paul. And the task that lies ahead of him will indeed bring great suffering, but will also bring great joy, great passion, and more than anything, great faith. Paul would go on to create churches throughout the Mediterranean and preach to the world around him. And as he does, so he will become a figure for unity among the followers of Christ. For in Galatians, he writes that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. To the argumentative churches in Corinth, Paul admonishes, has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Now I plead with you, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. And to the church in Ephesus, there is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all. Paul knew the importance of unity in the church and the power of a people who speak with the same voice. Today is the last day of the week of prayer for Christian unity, a week dedicated to urgent prayer that Christians may heed the instructions of Paul in his letters and the prayer of Christ that they may be one so that the world may believe. In this prayer for urgent unity, we find ourselves echoing the theme for this year's Holocaust Memorial Day, Stand Together. We have seen with our own eyes the devastating results when communities are segregated, set apart, and neighbours are encouraged to turn on their own neighbours. Today, we are being called to stand together against identity-based hostility, to stand together in the face of oppression, and to raise our voices against hate. Just as Paul points us to unity in Christ, so we must 
inhabit the words of Christ as he commands us to love one another as he loves us. And so in loving, let us stand together against all hatred, discrimination and division that we may unite together in friendship, in hospitality, and in love. Amen.